Good evening, everyone. Thank you for coming. We're going to go on a little bit of a journey this evening uh, outside of the Sundarbas in order to better understand uh, the subject we are studying in the Sundarbas, um, specifically what is Brahman realization. If we look to Brahman realization, we can infer from scriptural statements something of what it's like, and we can gauge it in relationship to Bhagavan realization uh, from those statements to some extent a million times more uh, pleasurable to taste the sweetness of a relationship with the Supreme Lord than it is to simply attain self-satisfaction or self-realization or realization of the self in relationship to the Supreme Self that only goes so far as to recognize more the likeness than the difference, the beta aspect, the Dwayton aspect. But there is one de definitive explanation of what the experience of Brahman is like given uh, by Srila Sanatan Goswami in the narration of uh, the second canto of his Brihat Bhagavatamrita. Uh, and in that narration, Gopakumar uh, explains what he experienced when he attained um, that platform of, well, that, that level of Brahman realization. This comes in the second canto of the Brihat Bhagavatamrita. Um, but we're going to read a few verses, first from the second chapter of that second canto, and then from the third, where it's actually more definitively dealt with. So there'll be a lot of reading of, of Brihat Bhagavatamrita tonight because it would be hard for me to put in words uh, what Gopakumar's experienced uh, as well as Sanatan Goswami has put <laughs> it into words uh, in his Brihat Bhagavatamrita. But I think it will come out of this at least understanding what Brahman realization is as experienced by a devotee. I mean, Gopakumar can't tell us what it's like, what the experience is like from the Brahmavadi's viewpoint, but he can tell us what his viewpoint was. And in that description, we can arrive at a at a close conjecture or inference as to 
what the Brahmavadi experiences because there's a couple times in his narration where he practically loses himself. Uh, the distinctness of his individual self and he explains that and the verses bring out uh, what what that experience uh, was like for him. He says what that experience was like. So we'll start out where Gopakumara is in Satyaloka or Brahmaloka and uh, he's being schooled by the personified uh, scriptures. So they're actually, they've taken form and they're schooling him. Uh, so a verse from the personified scriptures reads as follows. The happiness of liberation is always of one form, but the happiness of bhakti by the influence of the opulence of Sri Bhagavan manifests in many forms and is astonishing. Well, here we have it's unlimited forms of of the supreme in the personal conception, the Bhagavan conception, and there's one form of experience in the Brahman conception. The happiness of bhakti is the complete opposite of the happiness of liberation. And its variegated nature is filled with the sweetness of playful pastimes performed with the highest loving devotion to the enchanting Sri Hari. Those who are acquainted with this essential truth of pure devotional service cannot conceive of this happiness by means of logic and reason. So there's there's really no way to know the happiness of bhakti except by experiencing it. We could sit here till the cows come home or don't come home, as the case may sometimes be. And, and all logic and reason is not going to give us uh, the experience of Bhagavan's personal form. Um, that is a forwarded to the bhakta and through the practice of bhakti. Now we gradually come into a revelation of that form uh, as we advance uh, in devotional service from sadhana bhakti to bhava bhakti to prema bhakti. That becomes part of our, our actual nature as a devotee. We, uh, we go through gradual stages of in the beginning, uh, uh, auspiciousness and uh, uh, a removal of the influences of the modes of the Lord's external energy is is the is the natural state of of uh, you know sadhana bhakti, and then we advance more and experience more and more of of a loving relationship with the Supreme. So, we have either Bhakti Sukha or Mukti Sukha, the happiness of Bhakti or the happiness of Mukti. 
if you're a transcendentalist. If you're neither, then the happiness is of, of material nature, if you can find any there. Um, Brahman is Eka Rupa versus Aneka Rupa, which is always variegated by the potency of the opulences of Sri Bhagavan. Personified scriptures continue. Although Satchitananda Sri Vishnu is always situated in one form, by the potence of his Shakti, at every moment he manifests himself and his Bhakti in hundreds of ever fresh varieties of sweetness. This variegatedness is inconceivable for non devotees, and therefore they cannot comprehend it. If sometimes servants of Bhagavan go to the abode of liberation by their own volition, then according to their heart's sentiments, they see that abode of liberation as the embodiment of condensed Brahman or absolute truth. So here are hints being given by the scriptures. As a bhakti, you can actually go to that abode of liberation, you can experience Brahman if you so desire. And um, Krishna also explains that, that for my devotee, there's nothing that he could want that is I do not make available to him. If he wants the opulence of swarga, if he wants, uh, you know, whatever a devotee wants, I, I freely give to him. But there's one little covenant there uh, that's significant. I give it to him in such a way that it will not interfere with his bhakti. And if it's something that's detrimental to bhakti, I won't let it be detrimental to his bhakti, but he'll experience it in such a way that he won't want to have it again. <laughs> So, you know, uh, Krishna is very merciful to his devotees. So, Gopakumar was then directed by the Bhakti Shastras, the Shastras personified that were at Satyaloka. If if you want out of the material universe, if you want to go to the to the realm of liberation, then you need to return to Vrajabhumi and continue your sadhana there. Um, and this is confirmed by uh, the Lord himself, who was present in Satyaloka as the worshipful deity, of course, of all the Shastras. Uh, Sri Bhagavan said to Gopakumar, um, you should go to the land of Raj and Mathura, which is very dear to me, and which is decorated by my excellent pastime places. Um, a special bliss comes in receiving my darshan in a particular place. And so it is right for you to go to Vrajbhumi. 
How right is it? Well, you're on Satyaloka, the abode of Brahma. And Brahma even desired to take birth in, in Vraj. So that's why it's okay. And we notice that wherever Gopakumara goes in this odyssey and journey from, from, from place to place, when he's serving the Lord in one location, he also he has a, an attachment. And he doesn't really want to leave, but he does want to leave because it does, his heart's not fully satisfied yet. So he also, he always has to get permission in one form or another, either from the Lord directly or from the Lord's devotee. It's okay to go on. It's okay to, you don't have to be Indra forever. You don't have to be Brahma forever. You don't have to be in, in Brahma's abode forever. Actually, he was Brahma at the time the Shastras were speaking to him. Mm-hmm. Um, then very soon you will again see me in Mahakalapura. Mahakalapura is the abode of liberation. Where you will obtain abundance of supreme bliss that will fulfill the desires of your heart. So, I mean, Gopakumar is is a very is very unique. The the story of Gopakumar. He wants Sanatan Goswami is giving us Gopakumar so that we can see what the experience of all the realms of the material and spiritual world are through the perspective of the devotee, who is blessed with a guru that has established in his heart the seed of Braj Bhakti. Then very soon you will again see me in Mahalakalapur. Uh, Gopakumar said, O Brahmana, overwhelmed with happiness and distress by the command of Sri Bhagavan, at that very moment, by the speed of mind, I reached this attractive Vrindavan. So remember, the original discourse is happening in Vrajbhumi between Gopakumar and the Brahmana. He's been sent back from Vraj by Radha herself uh, to, to go back to Bhumi, Vrajbhumi, and gather up this Brahmana who is, his, who is Radha's servant there and bring him and in order to enlighten him he relays his own story as he feels this is the best means by which I can relay my story now we'll go on to chapter 3 um, skipping ahead a little bit uh, chapter 3 of uh, the second canto of Brihat Bhagavatamrita, uh, Bhajanam, Loving Service. Remembering Sri Bhagavan's order, I wandered here and there throughout this Vrindavan. Then in a grove, I saw my Guru Dev. He was in an, in an unconscious state, overwhelmed with praying. So he meets his Gurudev in 
Rajbhumi, as Bhagavan said he would, and he'd been given mantra before, and his guru gave him a little bit more instruction on how to properly chant the mantra. Not much. His guru Dave's in a in a very peculiar state. He's uh, very advanced, and he goes into ecstatic trances. When he found him at in Vrajbhumi, after he'd come down, he'd come from um, Brahma's abode in the position of Brahma. He he'd come down and. The Lord told him, you will find your guru there again. So he did, but he was in samadhi. He was, it took him quite a while just to get him out of samadhi and get him cleaned up. You know, saliva was coming out of his mouth, you know, everything like that. So, you know, he was in a state, a, a state of complete absorption in, in spiritual trance. And he came out of the state, he accepted the worship of Gopakumar, and he instructed him a, a, a little bit more in the mantra. And so Gopakumar, then he disappeared again, and Gopakumar felt some, some discomfort because of that. And then the story goes on. So now Gopakumar is chanting the same mantra that he received initially, but with a little bit more more attention. He's been given some other instructions by his guru as to the proper methodology, uh, uh, technical aspects and mental aspects of chanting uh, the Gopal mantra. So Gopakumar goes on and he, he relates to the Brahmana by the power of my chanting, I felt my body transform into an unearthly body that was transcendental to the five material elements. Proceeding toward the upper planets, I crossed the sun globe and saw the 14 worlds. Then he goes, he leaves the universe. In their respective layers, I saw that the presiding deities of water, fire, air, ether, ego, and the total material energy, Mahatattva, had assumed gigantic forms and were worshipping Bhagavan's respective manifestations, Matya, Surya, Pradyumna, Aniruddha, Sankarshan, and Vasudev. Now, there's a lot of, a lot of explanation that we're skipping over here. Gopakumar relays what it was like to go through every layer of the uh, universal shell and what his experience was in each of those layers. Uh then there's a little bit of explanation I wanted to share with you from the the last layer of, of the material uh, universe, Prakriti herself, well, Pradhana. Uh, there, I saw enjoying in that enchanting layer innumerable living beings whose bodies were made of primordial, undifferentiated matter, the gross Pradhana. 
and who were devoid of material designations. That prakriti, the material later, layer, in addition to being delightful, was self-effulgent, manifesting varieties of opulences that were more magnificent than any cause or effect, subtle or gross. That layer of prakriti had countless forms. It was indescribable and full of captivating opulences. The whole material creation furnished by the combination of effect, karya, and the cause, karna, pervades this prakriti. And there's some explanation in the commentary here. And the commentary is provided by Sadatan Goswami himself. So if you know Brihat Bhagavatamrita, he's preside, preside, presented us with the narration, and then he himself has commented on him on it. Um, and what you what you come away from in reading the commentary of this particular layer is that Gopakumar was able to experience both the effect, which is what we experience in the material realm. We experience the effects of the material energy. So the effect, the karya, is what we experience. But he experienced, in the, going to that layer, both the karana, the cause, and the effect both. So the cause, everything that we experience starts with a cause. And if you remember Sankhya philosophy, as explained in the Srimad Bhagavatam, explains that one one element is the cause of the next element is the cause of the next element and those causes create the senses that perceive the elements and then there's the you know there's the subtle and there's the gross uh, so the explanation here gives us an indication as to what it was like for him to exit the material universe and understand really everything, everything was contained there in that outer shell, the energy, both the cause and the effect, but experienced purely without any mixture. So all the all the ton mantras, all the all the effects, all the the sense object itself uh, was experienced there. Um, in that layer, Prakriti, the goddess of material energy, was pervaded by effects, karya, such as earth. Causes karna, such as sense objects, in their most subtle, abstract form, tan mantras, like the sense of smell. And by their combinations, in subtle form, she was pervading the entire condensed material manifestation of five elements, or in other words, the entire creation. In other words, it seems to hear it, that Gopakumar is experiencing here the entire 
everything that can be experienced from every sense in both the causal state and the cause state, both as the cause and as the effect. He's experiencing it all. And the joy is overwhelming. As he explained going through every layer, the joy was overwhelming. Uh, and of course, this is the is the final layer, which is, you know, is that un practically. It's that it's that state of the Lord's material energy before the material manifestation gradually takes takes shape. You know, so. Uh, although here the sense objects, tan mantras, the sense objects. Smell, taste, touch, form. Such as form, taste, and smell are not clearly described. It is to be understood that Gopakumar also crossed these five Tan Mantras successively because they are the distinct elements included within Prakriti. Now Gopakumar is exiting the material universe and he's going to experience Brahman. This is what I wanted to share with you this evening. The rest was preliminary. (laughs) This is text 32. After that, by the Lord's will, I passed through that dense darkness of primordial ignorance which is incredibly arduous to cross. Then I saw a gigantic mass of effulgence, so blinding that it made me tremble with fear and close my eyes. So this is his first experience of Brahman. He's trembling with fear and it's just, it's too bright. I crossed that layer with supreme devotion. As I struggled to look ahead, I saw the Supreme Lord who was effulgent as billions of suns. Although effulgent like billions of suns, the Supreme Lord increased the bliss of the mind and eyes, decorated with varieties of beautiful ornaments, endowed with all saintly qualities. He revealed himself in the most amazing form of Parabrahman, the Supreme Absolute Truth. So Parameshwara is is the supreme Ishwara. Uh, He says, although Parameshwara was as effulgent as billions of suns, still he increased the bliss of one's mind and words and was all pervasive. He was excellently decorated with varieties of astonishingly lovely ornaments and displayed all the 32 marks of a great personality reddish palms, reddish souls, and so on. Untouched by the covering of material energy, the entirely and entirely infulgent transcendental form of Parabrahman was wonderfully astonishing and completely extraordinary. So you can imagine he, his personal conception is what is allowing him to see and experience the Brahman as having personality. What has both personality and it has no personality. 
it's experienced, as Krishna says, all of them as they surrender unto me, I reward accordingly. But we are going to get some of the impersonal experience here as we move forward. Upon receiving darshan of the Supreme Lord, I was overwhelmed by awe, fear, and bliss and could, and could not figure out what to do. Now, in a normal circumstance, he's never been like, if we look at all the narrations of all his prior experiences with the Supreme, he always more or less knew how to worship in every particular instance. He knew to pay obeisances, he knew. But here, he, he's like, he's at a loss. It's, he's experiencing some things he hasn't experienced, like in Puri, or, you know, with with the Lord, and and, and the the Lord is Vamanadev <clears throat> when he was Indra. And so he's, it's, 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 different for him here. He can relate, but then a little bit he can't relate. We'll see why here in a moment. Although he manifested only by his own wish, and he is beyond the function of the senses, still, by the power of his mercy, I was able to see him directly. But was I seeing the Supreme Lord with my eyes or with my mind? I was unable to discern this, or surpassing the function of both external and internal senses was my very soul beholding him. Some commentary here. After a moment, I observed that great radiance as a formless mass. I became unable to discern his distinct form, which was blocked by his blinding, condensed effulgence. Factually, he was not formless, but due to the nature of the abode of liberation, I saw him in his impersonal, formless feature. So now he's he's seen a form of the Supreme in the Brahman, but now he can't discern that form. Goes on, at that time, immediately I remembered Lord Jagannath. I remembered the Lord in Niladri and reflected on that because he always displays his personal form, and it's really big, so he can't forget it, and it's very extraordinary. So he, immediately this thought comes to his mind. Then, after another moment, I saw the effulgent mass again in a personal form. So he sees the effulgent mass, formed, then formless, then he's a little bewildered. Then he thinks of Lord Jagannath, and the and he again sees the Lord's personal form in the in the effulgence. 
In other words, when I glanced upwards, that great effulgent mass assumed a personal form, the lust, thus the Lord increased my bliss. So remember, we're having an experience here of Brahman through the through the revelation of a, of a devotee. This went on repeatedly, repeatedly over a long time, and so Sri Gopakumar has described it in the present tense, even though it took place in the past. This idea we discussed further along. The text goes on. Sometimes the mercy of the Supreme Lord would save me as I would begin to merge into that effulgent mass. So he's waffling back and forth. And sometimes that uh, there's some attraction there in the Brahman effulgent. The radiance emanating from the jewel-like toenails of his lotus feet would touch me and protect me from this that calamity. So he'd feel himself being drawn into that formless conception when that would manifest. But he, he knew it was a calamity. Those were his words. Yes. Wow. Go, go, the uh, commentary goes, Since becoming one with Brahman is the very nature of that abode, sometimes I felt as if I were obtaining Sayuja Mukti. So remember, he's in the abode of liberation. And that's its nature, the whole abode. That because remember, the Lord manifests him, manifests in his different abodes. Also, the abode has, it's part of his nature there. Uh, it's part of his swarup shakti in that particular abode. He doesn't uh, manifest the same in Vraj as he manifests in Vaikuntha or Ayodhya. I felt as if I were obtaining Sayuja Mukti and merging into that vast effulgence. However, at that time as well, I would be saved by the mercy of the Supreme Lord and remain in my original body. How was this possible? The Supreme Lord protected me from that calamity by granting me the touch of the radiance from his toenails. That luster also prevented the idea of liberation from ever finding a place in my heart. It's not that it didn't find a place in his mind because he was there and it's like it was, it was overwhelming, but it didn't take root. The text goes on. Just as his son, and this is very interesting because now we see the distinction in this text and the and the commentary, the distinction between those that are Brahmavadis and those that are that are Bhagavanavadis. <laughs> Just as the sun is surrounded on all sides by the minute particles of its rays, similarly 
Parameshwar was also surrounded in all directions by different exalted, perfected souls appearing, appearing to be his devotees. Seeing this, I sometimes felt blissful at heart. Commentary. Important, important commentary. As previously explained, the address Parameshwar indicates the relationship of master, savior, and servant, sevaka. Therefore, Sri Gopakumar says, highly perfected souls who were both different and non-different from the Supreme Lord surrounded him just like servants. I felt elated to see this. The Mathura Brahmana might ask, he's relating this to the Mathura Brahmana, uh, how, it is, how is it that those souls, jivas, were both different and non-different from the Supreme Lord? Gopakumar says, being part and parcel of Parameshwar, the souls are both different and non-different from him. The Supreme Lord is the infinitely great conscious being, Vibhu Shaitanya, and the living being is the is an atomic infinitesimal conscious being, Anu Shaitanya. Thus, although they are non-different in that both have the constitutional quality of consciousness, they are different in size, Parameshwar being infinite and the Jiva being atomic. And so they are also different. However, the liberated jivas here are not seen as different from the Lord because they are free from the designations of illusion and by nature they are minute portions of the Supreme Lord. So their, the, their awareness is of the same... They have... Minute awareness, the Supreme has complete awareness. They're small, he's big. But other than that, size, they're of the same quality. They are similarly conscious entities. Gopakamark describes the liberated beings saying it was like they were all devotees. Actually, previously, those liberated souls never exhibit any devotion towards the Supreme Lord. However, because they completely surrounded the Supreme Lord like a covering, they appeared to be like servants. Thus, the analogy is made that they are like devotees, but they're not doing any service. They're just in proximity to the Supreme, Sayuja Mukti. So they're there. However, there is no useful service for devotees in the abode of liberation. An appropriate comparison is the sun, which is completely surrounded by minute particles of the sun rays. Similarly, that Supreme Lord was surrounded by his followers, the living beings, who are his minute parts and parcels. The nature, or dharma, of these jivas is simultaneously the same and different from the Lord's.
they're what do they what are they doing there there's no activity so their dharma their engagement is the same they're in the abode of liberation there's no distinctions there there's nothing to do and they're not they're not doing any service although they appear to Gopa Kumar oh look they're serving the Lord look at all these well they look like devotees they're there they're enjoying his presence but their consciousness is the same as his consciousness they're not experiencing a differentiation between themselves and the Lord I can see there's a difference they're little and he's big I can perceive this but they don't they're not experiencing a difference and they're not seeing themselves as subservient so are they seeing that formless effulgence that he had seen previously no they are that effulgence they're the minute particles and he's the complete sun that's that's the analogy being given here this concept of the difference and the non-difference is presented in chapter 2 in the discourse on liberation in this way my mind became submerged in an ocean of bliss at that time, I also fought, felt like one who is an Atmarama, satisfied in the self, or who is Purna Kama, whose very desire has been fulfilled. So, in that association, he starts to feel himself. He's in the land of liberation, he's starting to feel. Yeah, I'm an Atmarama. Yeah, I'm feeling satisfied here. At that time, with logic and reason, I deliberated within my mind and concluded that this alone is the supreme destination and the ultimate level, level limit of supreme perfection. He's starting to go to the He's starting to feel some, this is, this is, okay, but there's no distinction here. My heart became overwhelmed and was thus unsteady due to the waves of bliss that were natural to Mahakalapura. Knowledge of all other things that I had previously acquired automatically almost disappeared leaving only knowledge of Parameshwar. So he's, the, the, the atmosphere is starting to have an effect on him. Commentary, Sanatan Goswami. Malakalapura is filled with waves of joy. This is Gopakumar speaking to the Mathura Brahmana who could pose the question, you're Sri Madangopal's devotee. What's going on here? And by, and by now you are well aware of his beauty and sweetness also. He's already 
knows the sweetness of his, you know, the uh, his istadeva. Therefore, how could you possibly consider that abode of liberation to be topmost? What's going on here? Is is the hypothetical question being presented in the Sanatans Goswami? His his uh, his commentary on his own the experience of Gopakumar. Mahakalapura, Gopakumar says, is filled with the waves of joy that are natural to that abode and that agitate the consciousness, making one extremely restless. This change in the state of one's consciousness causes loss of constancy, which makes one forgetful of everything. Nothing's constant. There's no, the frame of reference is, is what reference is there because what's the nature of the Brahmavadi? The whole conception is one of non-distinctiveness. So the consistency of everything that he remembered except the Lord himself is is falling away. I'm losing my memory of distinctiveness from the world as I knew it. Which makes one forgetful of everything. At that time, all knowledge pertaining to all revered objects other than the Supreme Lord automatically disappears from the heart. What do we then? We're in what a state of what awe and reverence. Not even that. Just awareness. It is the extreme happiness obtained in that abode that makes the experience of other objects seem to disappear from one's heart. The word Eva indicates that this knowledge does not disappear altogether. For for Gopa Kumar. But for others, well, narration continues. By the influence of the instructions of Mahabhagavat Sri Guru Dev, and by the power of service to the mantra he gave me, my desire to directly see my worshipful deity's lotus feet never left me. So, luckily, he had his sadhana to fall back on. It had served him well. He had made significant progress in the chanting of his mantra. Otherwise, he could have been in trouble here. Even as a devotee, he's, his memory's starting to go. He, you know, he's, the abode is having some significant um, influence upon him. Gopakumar says that abode of liberation is capable of making one forget everything. However, due to the mercy of the lotus feet of Sri Guru Dave and by the influence of service to the mantra given by him, my desire to see the lotus feet of my worshipful deity, Sri Madan Gopal, did not go away. Therefore, although I stayed there in order to obtain the topmost position, just as I had done in the other realms, I nevertheless remained detached 
as always. He explains this in three verses beginning. Rather than seeing the effulgent personality for a long time, my greed for direct darshan of my worshipable deity, Sri Madangopal, increased ever more. And he seemed to be forcing himself on the path of my memory. So, Madangopal, as is today, was basically coming to his rescue and placing himself in his mind and his memory. And he's, although he wanted to experience. Uh, the, the the desire is passing and his, his memory of his objective is, is taking precedent. Therefore, although I was seeing the Lord of the abode of liberation, Parameshwar, in his personal form, I could not be happy as before. Rather, I was always disturbed and frightened, thinking I might merge into him. He started to feel uncomfortable in that location. Just as I was thinking that I might merge into him, uh, when shall I go to Vrajabhumi and perform devotional practices I desired? I heard the sound of extraordinary singing and instrumental music. And at that time, just by chance, <laughs> by the will of providence, uh, Lord Shiva happened to be passing through with his whole entourage. So I wanted to share that with you in the hopes that it would give some indication of some answer to Bhakti Ross's question is what do they experience? What is it? What is the objective and what's it like? I realize it was colored by the devotion of uh, a devotee, but it gives us some insight. Any questions? All right, we'll stop there. Thank you so much for your association.